Scripture to share this morning about homecoming than Jesus, than his own home going, where Jesus would be called back to heaven after his work here on earth was done. In that same scene, Jesus is commissioning his church, a body of believers, to continue the work that he's called and really created the church to do. See, you and I are 2,000 years after the Lord Jesus Christ, but we're still doing the same thing that he did while he was here. We're reaching out, we're connecting with people, we're sharing the message of the kingdom of God. And we need to be faithful in doing that. Jesus gave the disciples certain instructions on how to do that. Uh, he gave them certainly the message that uh, he, uh, he presented his own life for our sins, right? We're all sinners. Come short of the glory of God. The Bible says that. The scripture says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We know that. And, and then also we understand that there's a multitude of people in the world today that desperately need to hear that message and have an opportunity, a chance to respond to the good news. And so God has called us to be representatives for us. I love what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 when he says that we as believers are ambassadors for Christ. That, that, that carries a, a strong assertion that we're to go and represent the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what an ambassador does. He goes into foreign land and he represents the, the, the nation. God has called us to go into a world that's foreign to the Lord Jesus Christ and, and then give a message or a representation of Him. And so that's the mission that the church is on right now and the instructions that, that Jesus gave to the church as He would ascend into heaven. Now, after He gave that instruction, it's only natural that maybe the disciples had some questions, Right? And I want us to look at those this morning, uh, at those questions that they might have had or that need for information that they had after Jesus Christ had given them their instructions. Follow along with me, if you would, in the book of Acts. Beginning at verse 1, I want to read for you through verse 11 and finish that outline that we started last week, all right? If you guys are not certain where we're at. The former account... I made, O Theopolis, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. What, what's our mission? To continue what Jesus began to do and to teach. What his ministry was like, what he taught uh, while, while he was ministering, until the day in which he was taken up after he through the Holy Spirit had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering, by many infallible proofs being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. What's Luke talking about? He's talking about the days after, immediately after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That, that Jesus presented himself. In other words, he made himself available. He made himself known to a multitude of people. Not only the disciples, but 
those uh, others as well. Paul said at one time as 500 plus saw the risen Lord Jesus Christ. And so he was making these appearances in order to, to strengthen the church before he ascended into heaven. To let the church know those final instructions so that they could be effective and efficient in what he'd called them to do. So he goes on, and being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of heaven to, the, to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons, which the Father has put under his own authority. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And now when he had spoken these things, which they watched, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you have, as you saw him go into heaven. Pray with me, if you would, for a while this morning. Father in heaven, we're so, so very thankful that we have these testimonies of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. That God, you inspired men of God to record and to give us a record of what those last days were for Jesus here on this earth. How that he instructed his church on what to do when he left. What he promised them he would do before he left. How he would send another like him to live in us, the Holy Spirit. That how he would place us in the body of Christ through that supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. That would give us power Power to serve and power to testify. Lord, I just pray this morning as we begin to examine your word that our hearts would be open to your challenge this morning. That we would see the reality of the church's mission. And that we would see also a reflection of that mission in the history of this church. How that so many before us laid such an amazing foundation that the work was so dear to them that today it continues to inspire us to go forward in a work that you've called this generation to do. Father, I pray that you pour out your Spirit in our hearts this morning. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Follow along with me in this passage of Scripture. I want to begin in verses 6 and 7 and uh, ask you to look with me at the fact that the disciples had been given these instructions to go 
and to begin to make disciples, uh, to witness to the world that they were in, and then lead people to Christ, then begin to follow up by teaching them what they needed to know about following the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that the model today? What did Jesus say in Matthew 28? Teach them whatsoever I've commanded you, or go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them whatsoever I've commanded you. And Jesus said, Lord, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So the, the, the basic assignment for the church has always been the same. Th- throughout those generations of time between when Christ ascended into heaven, the church was established, and where we are today, that we've been given that commandment of making disciples. First to evangelize, then to disciple, and then to grow them in that relationship. You know, I love Baptist life and Baptist churches because they're geared, if we'll follow the design, for that very thing. We're set up. You know, a typical Southern Baptist church is really organized around its Sunday school. It's really those small groups that meet before we come to worship in Sunday school where God creates fellowship and where He binds people together and where we have a chance to get to know each other and then where we have an opportunity to be able to get the Word of God poured into our hearts. And then out of that organization comes ministry. Those small groups minister to each other. And they, they minister to, to the world around them. I can't tell you how many times that, that uh, our Sunday school classes in our church have stood up to meet certain needs. They, they've risen to the occasion where when there's a need, they've stepped up and they've met that need. And, and it's so effective in the ministry. And so we're really organized in that way if we'll follow that organization. Then we, we come in groups in our worship service to be lifted up and encouraged in the very things that we're discovering in those small groups that we need to be doing and how we need to be following the Lord Jesus Christ. And so in, in that process, we make disciples. We have, uh, we're starting Wednesday night, our discipling programs again. This Wednesday night, we'll meet at 6.30. We'll have a meal. And then we'll split up into different groups, our children's youth and adults. And we'll follow that discipling plan. We'll learn more about Jesus Christ. We'll challenge each other through the Word of God. And so we participate together in those things. And so that's the design that Christ laid out for the church, to make disciples. And and so in that instruction, though... You might well guess that they needed a little more information. Has God ever told you anything and you really wanted more information? I mean, has He? You know, maybe God has led you to do something that you thought, well, maybe that's pretty serious. I don't know if I really need to do that or I really would like more information. We know God really never lays out a road map that gives us all the details, does He? I, I mean, wouldn't that be great? If God just says, look, here's what I want you to do. Here's step one. Here's step two. Step three. You just follow those steps and then, then you'll be where you need to be. But that's not faith, is it? I mean, that's not trusting Him. It's when those moments in life come along, when we feel that urging of the Spirit of God in us, Maybe God confirms it in the Bible, and you're thinking that way, and you're thinking, oh, no, not that, Lord. I remember I used to think like that when God was calling me to preach. I said, oh, no, Lord, not, not that. 
<laughs> but he does, doesn't he? And so our big thing is I want some more information. I, I want more details about that. And they came to the Lord and, and, and so they, they asked him. Look at verse 6. It says, therefore, when they had come together, in other words, when they, when they had some time alone with Jesus, you know what they did? They, they asked him saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? So here are the disciples and so, so their big idea, well, you're leaving. Are we going to get the kingdom? Are, are, we, are, are you going to hand that back to the, to the Jews, to Israel? Are, are we going to be, now, are we going to be on, on top of things, really, is what they were asking. Are, are we going to be prominent in the world again like we used to be? And, and so they were asking those questions. Now, listen, the Bible prophesies a time when the kingdom will return. But it's not today. And it wasn't then. But yet the disciples wanted to know. And, and, and so they were asking for all this information. You see, the problem is, like a lot of us in times, our timing's off, isn't it? I mean, we're asking God, is, you know, is it now? Is it now? Is it now? Or, or couldn't it be now? And for, for whatever reason, our, our, our timing's off when we're looking at these things. And, and so what it is really at the bottom of all of it is we have our plan. God has his. I mean, right? I mean, we, we want this to happen at this particular time. And, and God has another plan for us than that. And, and so what the disciples were, were wondering is, is it really, is this the time... And Jesus is really politely saying, no, no. Uh, so often in our lives when God says go, we say stop. Or when he says stop, we go. Because our timing's just a little off, isn't it? What we're wanting and what's in our heart and what's in God's heart may be completely different. Or they may be the same, but God isn't ready yet. We substitute our own choices for God's choices. We substitute our own will for God's will. And then we wind up with a false perception of what's really happening. You know, a lot of us in our relationship and our walk with the Lord Jesus Christ... We've gotten to certain places in our life where we're comfortable and we say, not now, Lord. Or I'm not, not that anymore, Lord. It's a big one, isn't it? Uh, God, I'm not going to do that anymore. I, I, I've done that in the church for X amount of years and, X, and I, I'm in a different place in my life and I'm not going to do that anymore. And, and, and so I'm just, you know. Yeah, I, I, let me just ask you. Who gives us the right to do that? To think that way? As far as I understand the Bible, Scripture says we were purchased at a price. Do you guys agree with me? I mean, isn't that, that what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians? You're purchased with a price. And he says, therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are his. <laughs> Why do we think we have the right? To withhold our service or to withhold ourselves 
from what God wants to do in His kingdom. It's pretty arrogant, isn't it? For you and I, redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ, by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. To say to God who loves us and has only the best in mind for us, to tell Him no. Or I'm not going to do that. Or I'm not going to participate. Or I'm going to be infrequent or apathetic or whatever it is. Why do we think we have the right to do that? You know, Malachi in the Old Testament asked a big question of God's people. He said, who will, who will rob God? Who will rob God? <laughs> who, who's, who's bold enough to do that? What man will rob God? What woman will rob God? But let me tell you, when you withhold yourself from Him, you're robbing Him. Because you're taking what belongs to Him and you're keeping it for yourself. Why do we think we have the right to do that? You see, their timing was off. Because they wanted something different for what was going to be reality. They wondered if it's if it was time to sit back and take it easy. You know, those disciples had a rough three and a half years up to that point. I mean, they 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 lived out in the wild, they walked everywhere, they traveled to and fro across the country. They'd been rejected by so many. They, now they had saw their leader crucified. And it had been a hard three and a half years. They left everything that they ever owned, their families. They left them behind to follow Jesus Christ. And now for three and a half the years, they, they'd had a rough life. But you know, they didn't realize that that was probably the three and a half good years. Because what they were about to face was even going to be more violent, more resistant, more more difficult than they'd ever known, even up to that point. But yet, God had the answer for them. So what did he do? They got some clarification, by the way, in verse 8. <laughs> they said, are we getting the kingdom? Jesus says, no. No, you're not. But what you are going to get is the Holy Spirit. You're going to get the kingdom of God living in you, the King living in you, the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and, and so listen to what it says. It says, uh, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You see what Jesus says, that, look, it's not time for the kingdom to come, but what it is time is for you to go out and witness for me. And in order to do that, I'm going to give you the indwelling person and power of the Holy Spirit of God so that you'll be able to witness. Most Christians struggle every single day. Why? Because is it not true that the person of Jesus Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit lives in us, but God promised us power. You know, that, that promise is in the indicative mood in the Greek. And, and in that mood, it means that it doesn't mean that it's possible for it to happen. It's not what it means. But it means it can't not happen. 
So if you're a child of God, you can't not have the Holy Spirit. Because if you don't, you're not His. And so, so He said, I'm going to give you power. But that power has a reason. And He says, I'll give you this power. And you will be witnesses. You shall be witnesses of me in Jerusalem. And in all Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Jesus said, I'm going to give you power. Look, that word power means the ability to do. The capability of doing. The, the adequacy of doing. In other words, you have in you, Christian, everything you need to be a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. To be a disciple maker. And God has promised us that. And, and, and He kept that promise. Power, capability, ability, strength, all those things we need to be a witness. And he says, you shall be witnesses to me. In other words, you'll tell others about me. And so they got some clarification, right? If you're uncertain about what God wants you to do today, let's go back to the basics. Why don't we just be witnesses? Be witnesses. See where God takes us down that road of being witnesses. Now, God may be leading you into more specific things besides that as well, but certainly the basic thing that He wants us to do, every believer, is to be a witness. Lord Jesus Christ. Now, listen, not only were they getting more information about that, but if you look a little bit further, they were getting some inspiration. <laughs> I love inspiration, don't you? <laughs> you know, it's kind of hard when we've got instructions and no inspiration isn't it we, we know what we need to do but we're just kind of stuck well he was giving them some inspiration one of the ins- inspiring things that they saw that day was in verse 9 the ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ I mean he's going up into heaven that's pretty awesome isn't it I mean here he is and they're watching him and right from that Mount of Olives that, that Mount of Ascension there he goes he goes up and he goes up and he goes up and he goes into the clouds they can't see him anymore and they're just standing there, kind of looking. And I thought about that for a long time. You know, how, how they might have felt while they were just watching that ascension. Then I thought about, well, if there's this ascension, Jesus was going somewhere, wasn't he? I mean, he was going into heaven. The Bible says, seated at the right hand of the Father. And I thought about, well, I wonder what heaven was doing. When all of a sudden Jesus popped out of those clouds or however he came into heaven, there he was in heaven. What were those angels thinking? Whoo, it's about time you came home. What were those believers thinking? There he is. There's the one who paid for my sins. There's those marks in his hands and his feet, those piercings of those crowns in his brow. There he is. What a celebration in heaven. You know, that's just the first fruits of the celebration will be later. When God calls his church to be with him. And then that trumpet sounds and the dead in Christ rise. And those who are alive and remain will be caught up together with him to meet him in the air. And then there we'll be together in church. You talk about a reunion. That's a homecoming. Now, we, we celebrate today the homecoming of Garrison Baptist Church. All the wonderful things. But you know, there's a lot of people who, who were a part of this church's ministry that aren't here. They're there. But one day we'll be there. 
And hopefully we'll leave behind us those who will carry on that work until the trumpet sounds. So they were encouraged by Jesus, even his departure inspired that he's going before them preparing a place. And then all of a sudden, what they discovered as well. You know what the disciples, I mean, the Bible says there's two guys in white garments. You know what they are, right? They're angels, if you didn't know. They're angels. And two angels said to these guys, said, what are you doing? He's gone, but he's coming again. And he's coming again the same way he left. Right? One day, Jesus will part those skies in all of his glory. One day, he'll set foot on this earth in all of his power. He'll split that Mount of Olives that he ascended from in half, the Bible says. And he'll claim his authority here on this earth in all power and all majesty. But until then, he's called the church to be his witnesses, make disciples. Followers of him. Bow with me if you would. Father in heaven, just like those angels told the disciples early. Hey, get busy. Get busy. There's a lot of things to do. As we celebrate these 84 years of ministry here at Garrison Baptist Church. Message is the same. Tell others about Jesus Christ. The motive is the same for the love of God. Tell them about Jesus Christ. The people are the same. Those who are blood-bought, blood-washed believers in the Lord Jesus Christ are to be those who go and speak for Him. And Lord, the Opposition, we know, is always the same. Those who choose to follow Jesus will find that persecution. But, Lord, the power is the same. Power to overcome. Power to make us capable of what you called us to do. Lord, help us to be about those things as a church for another 84 years or until you come. Let this generation not fail you now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want to invite you this morning, if you would, to stand as we stand together and sing a verse or so of invitation this morning. You know, first of all, God may be inviting you into a relationship with Jesus Christ to trust Him and believe in Him. And what the Bible says is that God loves you. No matter what, He loves you. And He wants to to know you personally. But our, our problem is our sin. It separates us from God. But that's exactly why Jesus Christ came to die for us. So that that sin, that barrier, that separation could be done away with. That anyone can come to the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says, Whoever calls on His name shall be saved. Doesn't matter what you 
what you've done or what's happened in the past or how you've been hurt or disappointed. God loves you. And He wants you by faith to come to Him and believe in Him today. You can trust Him as your personal Savior. We're going to sing some verses of an invitation this morning. It may be that God is, is, is put into your heart. Come pray for the church. What a great thing to do on homecoming. Meet God at this altar and just lift up Garrison Baptist Church, the future. Thank Him for the past and the ministry that He's allowed us to do. But pray for a strong, strong, hopeful future in the Lord. You can do that also. We're going to sing, and just as God moves and prompts you in your heart, then I encourage you to come.